Well, it's uh, a delight to, to be here and to be able to share today as we've been... Uh, <clears throat> we're seniors, you know, and we have a lot of time. We don't have to go to work when you people do, and I'm thankful that most those of you that have jobs are able to go. But we have time to do things, and uh, we've watched a lot of movies recently, and we noticed in a lot of those movies, <coughs> on the table or on the, the uh, counter in the kitchen was this great big bowl of fruit, fresh fruit. Almost every movie had this big bowl of fresh fruit. And uh, that got me to thinking, my last posting as a, as a banker back in Ontario was in a little place called Colburn, which is uh, on Highway 2, which at one time was the main drag from the, uh, let's see, the border of Quebec right through to Windsor, right through Toronto, before the 401 was built. Yeah, and I'm old enough to remember when they were building the 401 and we had to take Highway 2 to Toronto. But <clears throat> Colburn was on Highway 2, and between a place called Bowmanville, which is just maybe an hour east of Toronto, right through to Belleville, uh, they call it Apple Way. Now, when I was uh, managing there, I had a lot of different kinds of farmers, uh, poultry, hogs, uh, cash crop, beef feedlot, <coughs> but we also had a number of fruit and vegetable farmers who grew these. And man, was it a treat to go when the fruit and the vegetables were in season and buy those fresh, freshly picked right off the vine or the, the bush, and we'd buy them and take them home and enjoy them. <coughs> uh, I know uh, fruit comes here from the West, and uh, we enjoy that too, but I remembered when I, when I saw that fruit, I was thinking of it, uh, that fresh fruit was really something else in those fresh vegetables, right off the plant, right off the tree. And uh, in our area, there wasn't that many uh, grapevines. Most of them were down in the Niagara Peninsula by Niagara and Lake and Vineland. But <coughs> Pat would, with a friend, would get bushels of grapes and they would make their own grape juice with this, with the grapes. And that got me to thinking about this passage in uh, John chapter 15 <clears throat> about the vine and the branches. And let me read, read to you, first of all, a few verses from Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and his leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. And then over to John 15. Jesus was 
talking to his disciples just before he went to the cross. And he just talked to them about the fact that they were going to miss him. He was going to go away, but he was going to send the Holy Spirit to come. And then he went on and told them about how they were to live successfully after he had gone. And this is a passage that speaks to how we are to live successfully nowadays in our lives. Verse 1 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the, vein, in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And verse 16, you do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide or remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So here John is writing about the vine and the branches. Now there... <coughs> The people he's talking to, the disciples particularly, would understand what he's talking about, the vine, because back in, in the Old Testament, I, Israel was described as the vine. And over in Isaiah chapter 5, there's a passage there that speaks of Isaiah as the vine. <clears throat> Let me sing for my beloved, my love song, concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug at it and cleared of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it, and he looked for it to yield grapes. But it yielded wild grapes. And now an old inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah judged between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? <clears throat> the verse I just read in John chapter uh, 15 verse 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. 
That reminds me of, uh, of a few other places where Jesus spoke to his people about who they were. <clears throat> if you go back to uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. And if the salt loses its flavor, it's good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden underfoot by men. And you are the light of the world. <clears throat> Let your light so shine that you may glorify your Father who is in heaven as people see your good works. And then in Acts 1.8, he says, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be witnesses unto me. Now, you notice in these, all of these passages, and in this passage, Jesus didn't say, you have the choice if you want to be salt. You have the choice if you want to be light. You have the choice if you want to be a witness. You have a choice if you want to be a fruit bearer. He said, you are a fruit bearer. Now, what is the stipulation for being salt and light, a witness and a fruit bearer? Well, it's abiding in Christ. How do we become a fruit-bearing branch? Well, we have to abide in Christ. And not only do we abide, but he does a work in us, as we see here. Jesus said, I am the true vine. Not only was there the vine who originally was Israel, which unfortunately yielded bad grapes instead of good ones. But there's a, a vine over in Revelation chapter 14. And those are the people of the world who refuse to accept Christ, and they're going to be reaped and go to face God's wrath and God's judgment. The present vine the one that is meaningful to us and was meaningful to the disciples at the time Jesus spoke that is Jesus himself, and he's the true vine. It's like Israel was a type of the vine that would become, would come, just like so many other things in the Old Testament proved to be types of who Jesus was, and they were realized in full in him. So he says, I am the true vine, the complete vine, the one in whom you can depend and draw your life from without any problem of being unsuccessful in it. And my father is a vine dresser, <clears throat> the gardener, if you like, the one who would tend and care for the vines. Now, I like, I like this picture because this is talking about God the Father, and he is so interested and loves us so much that he tends us personally and treats us and works in our lives as the branches that we're described as here so that we'll bear fruit, yes, then more fruit, and 
ultimately much fruit. (laughs) He loves us that much. And we need to be aware of the fact of who God is. He's our vine dresser. He's the one that will work on us to make us. He won't let us slide away without drawing us back or dealing with us in a way that will help us to become what he wants us to be. We have to yield to him. And now how does he do that? Well, it says, every branch in me, and that's, that's an important little phrase, in me. This would indicate, some people think that this, uh, this is saying every branch in me that does not bear fruit, uh, he takes away. And at verse 6 it says every branch that doesn't abide in me is cut off and withers, and men gather them, throw them into the fire, and they're burned. Two thoughts here. First of all, some people think that that means these are people who are never believers, never became true branches, never truly a part of the vine. And so they're, they're cast away. But I think that little phrase that we're talking about here, every branch in me, means this is a branch that is abiding, that is in Christ. And so, the phrase here, it says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, we come to that place where we're not bearing the fruit that we could as believers. Have you ever been in that place? I know I have. Where I haven't been the kind of a Christian that I should be, where I'm not bearing the fruit that would be honoring to God. So there are times when that does, that happens. And when that happens, it says, Every branch that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. Now, it's interesting, that word, takes away, in the original language, it can mean cut off, but it also means to be lifted up. And uh, David Wilkerson tells the story in one of his books uh, about talking to a vine dresser. And he says, you know, Sometimes new branches droop and they fall down on the ground and they get covered with dust and when it rains they get covered with mud and they, they, aren't, they can't be very fruitful when I like that. And so Wilkinson asked, well, what do you do? Just get rid of them? Well, he said, no, not at all. They're still good branches. What we do is we take that branch, we lift it up, we carry water with us, we clean that branch off, and we tie it up so that it can be a fruit-bearing branch again. That's God looking after us when we tend to come to that place in our lives where the fruit we're bearing really isn't the good fruit that he wants us to bear. He wants us to bear good fruit. And the branches that do bear fruit, it says here, he prunes. Now, when we drove past some of the fruit farms that uh, were our customers, occasionally we'd come, and, and there weren't vines, but there were trees, and you'd come to a tree, 
and you look at it and says, what happened to that tree? Because all the branches were, were chopped, and there were just ends, and they looked ugly, quite ugly, really. <laughs> but they'd been pruned. They'd be pruned so they, they would grow back again and produce even more fruit than they did before. And that's what God does when he prunes us as a vine. Not always a pleasant experience to be pruned, you know, the cutting, the snipping. <clears throat> but there's a purpose in it. A purpose, and the purpose is that will produce more fruit that will glorify God. And will produce more fruit because we love him. And he wants us to be the best fruit bearers in our lives that we can be. And later on when we look at, there's another verse that says, when we bear much fruit, God is glorified. God is glorified. That's about verse 8, I think. So we have this process that helps us bear fruit and more fruit. And then, later on, it even says, much fruit. How does all that happen? Well, it's by abiding. Abiding in Christ. Branches that abide in the vine draw the nutrients, the life that comes through the vine out to the branch, and then the fruit is born. Now, once a branch is cut off, yeah, what is going to It no longer has that source of life that it can bear good fruit. So it's, what happens, it withers. You've seen branches cut off, and they just get wither, and the leaves die, and... Uh, <clears throat> And they're not much good for anything. As verse 6 says, what to be thrown into the fire and burned. The thing is, the branch's source of life to bear fruit is Christ himself. In chapter 10, when he talks about being the good shepherd, he says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That means a more life than we'll ever need. And that completely enough for us to be the people that he wants us to be. <clears throat> and ultimately, it's eternal life. Jesus came that people might have life and more abundantly. Not just in the existence until death. And as this life comes up through the vine and flows through the branches, fruit is produced because fruit is the result of life in Christ. Now, people can manufacture religious substitutes, but they won't be the kind of biblical fruit that he wants us to produce. And what is some of that biblical fruit? Well, 
as we've already looked at, the fruit that we bear can be people who are saved through our witness. God said, when the Spirit comes upon you, you shall be a witness <clears throat> unto me. Paul wrote that we are to be ambassadors for Christ, not to carry out our own agenda, but God's agenda, Christ's agenda, <clears throat> so that we can take the message of being reconciled to God to those people. And there are many other pictures. The, 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 uh, God came and called his disciples and said, I'm going to make you to be fishers of man. So, <clears throat> one of the fruits that can happen in our lives is we become those who take the gospel to other people so that they can be saved. Another is through our life. Paul prayed, or it was, uh, yeah, it was Paul prayed in Romans chapter 6, verse 22. <clears throat> he talked about the kind of fruit that can happen concerning a holy life. Verse 20 of chapter 6 of Romans, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life, a holy life, a life that shows the holiness of God. God said in Leviticus, it's repeated by Peter, you are to be holy as I am holy. And our lives are to reflect his holiness. That's his wholeness, his completeness, his perfection. Oops, how can we be perfect? Well, we can't. But we commit our, we, we, we yield to him so that he builds that holiness within us and it reflects in the life we live. And of course, fruit, when it's, when it's uh, appears, isn't eaten by the branch, is it? <laughs> it's for sharing so that others can enjoy it. There's a common sharing that uh, is demonstrated in Acts chapter 2 when the believers, after the Holy Spirit came upon them, there were 3,000 and they started sharing things, sharing with each other so no one had need. In 1 John 3.17, and incidentally, <clears throat> when you're looking at the whole matter of abiding, John really likes talking about abiding because between John chapter 15 and the whole of 1 John, the word abide appears about 25 times or more. 1 John 3.17, 
But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against them, how does God's love abide in him? <clears throat> Giving to God and in his name to others, not just something we do, it's the result of who we are and what we are. And when the branch receives life from the vine, it cannot but help but give, because giving and living for us as believers in Christ are synonymous. The branch exists to give fruit so that others can receive and enjoy it. And then, of course, <clears throat> there's Christian character. And that takes us to that passage in Galatians 5. Uh, everybody thinks of Galatians chapter 5 when you think of uh, Christian fruit, fruit in the Christian's life, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, I'm sure every one of us wants to enjoy and have that fruit uh, flourishing in our lives. And how different that life is when it's produced by the Spirit of God. The world has look-alikes, but they can't duplicate the fruit of the Spirit. Well, think about love. The world has brotherly love. The world can duplicate that. The world can duplicate family love. <clears throat> Those are two Greek words. Philia is brotherly love. Uh, Storge is family love. And of course, the world, a lot of the world enjoys romantic love, eros. But they can't duplicate agape love. In fact, that word wasn't even popular in the, in the Greek language until the Christians started showing that kind of love. That's deep love from the heart of God, who John describes in 1 John 4.8 as love himself. God is love. The world can give entertainment and happiness, but they can't give that deep joy that comes from Christ. A joy that, that can even be part of us when we're going through a trying and a difficult time, a time of loss, a time of, of, of heartache, a time when we're disappointed, when we're left alone. Entertainment and happiness can give us short-term fun, if you want to use that term. But the true joy of God, it's a deep joy that comes from Christ and is produced by the Holy Spirit within us, the fruit of the Spirit. And, of course, peace. <laughs> you can purchase sleep. Just get down to the drugstore and buy sleepies. Uh, go buy one of those fancy beds that uh, all you need is a certain kind of bed and you just sleep all the time that you want to. 
but it can't produce peace. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I to you. Don't let your heart be troubled, and don't let it be afraid. And only the Holy Spirit can produce this spiritual fruit. And that only happens within us, and it's only produced in us as we draw life from the vine, as we abide in the vine, as we draw that life of Christ. In fact, verse 5 says, you're the, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him brings forth much fruit. But how does he finish it? Without me, you can do nothing. We need him. We need him desperately. We need to abide in him. We need to allow his life to be flowing through us. And as we do that, as verse 8 says, we'll glorify God. And he'll gladly welcome us as his disciples serving him. Well, fruit. Fruit's great stuff. <clears throat> I was going to have a bowl of fruit up here, but I, I, I thought you'd be drooling over it so much you wouldn't listen. But, uh, you know, we have been, we have been chosen by God himself to be fruit bearers. The fruit he wants us to bear. Witnesses. Holy living people. Uh, those who demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. Those who show the fruit of righteousness. That's why we've been chosen. You know what? There's nowhere in the Bible we're told to be the ones to produce the fruit. What we do is we yield ourselves to the vine, Christ, and allow him, by his spirit, to produce the fruit in us. That's what he wants from us. Let's be his faithful fruit bearers. And let me just close again with that verse. Verse 5. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me stays, remains, draws closer daily, every day. Whoever abides in me and I in him is mutual. He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Amen.